You're about to listen to Brittle Star's Really Great Podcast. The Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. They make delicious compostable coffee pods. It makes it sound like you eat them. You don't eat the pods. You drink the coffee that they have in the pods. Like, you know, you make coffee with those pods. You can find them at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. And they're Canadian too, eh? I love Club Coffee. Clubcoffee.ca. Hi, Brittlestar here. You're listening to my really great podcast. Each episode, I sit down and have a chat with someone I think is pretty cool. I think you'll think they're pretty cool too. And today we're talking to... I'm Jesse Berry, and apparently I do something called Room Rater on Twitter, which has become quite a hit, unbeknownst and unplanned to the two of us who created it. And so we're just kind of riding that and trying to survive what's happening in the world right now and have some fun along the way. You sound so sincere when you're doing it, but you're so cutting. When you write people, you're so cutting. You're not really that cutting, but I mean, sometimes you are. Um, is that is that natural? Is that like a regular part of your your persona? Like when you're rating someone's room, you give them like, uh, like I remember the first time you rated me, you gave me a six out of 10. And I felt that was generous. It was. But then the only thing you pointed at that was good, <laughs> it was generous. I think the only thing that was good about the, in my frame was that uh, you said, oh, the lamp was good. Yes. And my wife's grandmother had made and painted that lamp. So I was like, well, that's okay. That's nice. You can't be all that bad. But do, like, do you, have you always critiqued people and made them feel terrible? Actually, that's brand new. <laughs> that just started during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, uh, I've, Politically, I've always been interested in, um, I guess we do satire, I guess that's what we call it. So I've been a political mm-hmm. news junkie all my life, as has my partner. So, and I think uh, his satire and his sarcasm comes quite naturally, but as a Canadian, I had to kind of hone that skill. I think that the pandemic has taught us a lot of things, and I have definitely found my sarcastic side uh, and <laughs> clearly uh, tried to nurture that along the way. But, um, it, you know, it, it does come quite naturally to be cutting with the politicians we don't like. I think I have a little bit of a harder right. time critiquing people's rooms who, you know, didn't vote for Trump. Or just folk. <laughs> just <Right>. normal people. <laughs> um, but the, the whole uh, nice Canadian thing went away within two months because everybody found out that I was indeed the snarkier and sometimes meaner one. And I just said I was sorry a lot and people didn't figure it out for a long time. (laughs) Well, I think that's what people don't realize about Canadians is that we have this impression, uh, we give the impression that we're super polite, but we're we're not, I mean, we're not that polite. Well, you've pointed it out in several of your videos that we have a passive aggressiveness that's almost cultural and it definitely comes out in times I think of, of, stressed in the world for sure so we definitely have um we apologize but we also can be kind of mean <laughs> i think it's i think it's probably connected to uh, our a uh, bit of bit of our, our british background and then largely i think that that sort of pissy passive aggressiveness is just our french background i think that's the cultural thing on that. Right. and i also think living yeah. next to living next to america um, yeah, I think we've also had to develop that because you know, look what, look what that has been like for us over the years. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's I sort you know I was thinking of like the you know like going through the the Trump years and hopefully they'll never return. But uh, going through the Trump years <clears throat> and thinking back to uh, uh, like Pierre Trudeau's quote about how it's like living in Canada is like is like sleeping in the same bed as a mouse sleeping in the same bed as an elephant. Yeah. And. Uh, you're just constantly worried that the elephant's going to roll over, and then yeah. when it was Trump years, it was like we're going to we're worried he's going to roll over and leave makeup all over the pillowcases and stuff. So, you know, I think now that you bring that up, I think that we, as a society, kept waiting for the bottom to come with Trump, and when it didn't right. come, and it kept going down, and it kept going down, I feel like. It became, I mean, as far as my friends and I were concerned, sleeping next to the elephant became nightmarish. You know, I mean, uh-huh. what would he do next? And I think because we were so close and a lot of us have so many cultural fam- family, I mean, literally half my family uh, extended and um, my sons and sister and um, everybody's in the States. So I might be an exception as a a dual citizen, but most of us have strong ties to the states, and I think what we were seeing was it made us a part of it as well. And right. I, I think that showed very clearly that what we, how we define ourselves as Canadians, has a lot to do with defining ourselves as not being Americans. You know, and oh, I feel, sure. I feel yeah. like that kind of, along with so many other things that came out during the pandemic and during the Trump years, I think that was very clear and startling and I was not prepared for how that would feel and how deep that was. Right. So are you how like how are you a dual citizen? Were you were you born there? How are you a dual citizen? My mom is from Michigan and when she moved right. here she um, kept her American citizenship but she became a landed immigrant is how they what they used to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, she met my dad in Bible yes. school and then she just moved here with him and started a family. Um, so before 9-11, you could uh, apply to get dual citizenship if um, your parent had been born in the States but came right. to Canada. Right. So they changed the rules. I actually uh, received my U.S. passport, you know, swore the declaration uh, mm-hmm. six months before 9-11. And if, and if that had happened, right. it, we, I wouldn't have been able to. So all I had to prove was my mother had been in the States um, 15 years, which she hadn't moved since, uh, until she was 22. I had to get supporting document right. from her teachers and dentists and things like that. And right. they swore me in and lo- I guess did a credit or, you know, a background check and deem I was deemed, um, okay. And my sister, uh, as well, she, she did it three months after me. And after that, they changed the rules and I probably wouldn't be a dual citizen today if, if, it, they hadn't changed the rules. So, with that little bit of American in you, you had the advantage of, uh, uh, you know, being able to be cutting and and to take people down and to really sort of you know judge them harshly. In that that combined with the passive aggressiveness of Canadianism, I think you you basically become an evil. You're just basically one big evil machine is what you turned into. Yeah. So when did you start the the Twitter account? The, the raped my Skype room. I joined Twitter um, the night after Trump won the 2016 election personally, just because I needed right. an outlet to try to feel like I could make sense of what was going on, because even then, everybody pretty much knew we were in trouble. Um, Roomwriter right. actually started 
um, April 13th, it was a Sunday afternoon, um, we had just shut down, uh, Trudeau had called everybody home, uh, I believe mid-March, right. end of March. I had just uh, gotten back from um, my last trip before the pandemic in uh, the beginning of March, uh, went to New Orleans and then uh, two weeks after I came back, the borders were shut down. Um, I was probably the only one in my circle that was still working my day job, but everybody else I knew had just gone home, of course. The world right. had just gone home and shut the door and, you know, locked down. And um, my boyfriend, very new boyfriend at the time, as it turns out, um, <laughs> yes, which was, yeah, that sped things up a lot too. So it was all very new. Um, we we were we both are news junkies he has a very um active um, political action committee um that he runs as well as right. a very active political twitter account anti-republican uh, anti-trump etc um uh, right. I, I remember it being noon and we were watching we were i think we were watching something on netflix sort of together and he said you know what would be really fun it would be fun to set up a twitter account completely separate from either one of our accounts and rate rooms mm -hmm. of the journalists and the pundits and the consultants that we see on TV because all of a sudden everybody right. was doing it from their house. And I said, oh, come on, you know, nobody's gonna, nobody cares about that. And he said, no, I'm <laughs> of famous last words, right? And he said, no, I'm serious. I said, well, how would that even look? And he goes, look, let's just, let's just set it up and let's just talk about, let's do a rating and let's talk about what we see in the room. And we were all doing it anyway, kind of. I mean, I know my friends yeah, and I, yeah, the ones sure. who watch news, we were kind of, always, we were saying, you know, I mean, we were being snarky too. You know, we were talking about how yeah. the makeup and clothing was so different than being in the studio and how everybody looked different. Also people's backgrounds. I mean, people had children and pets and uh, art and laundry and, you know, all these things that we were seeing and Claude, said let's just do this so i being skeptical okay all right how you know how 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 bad could this go right just what the heck so <laughs> i physically set up the account it was 12 38 in the afternoon i remember because it had to ask wow, me for sounds like it was a traumatic experience you're, you're yeah. down to these like minutes yeah oh it was just so uh our first one was just a a, a a lady on MSNBC and we both had a, an MSNBC habit, him more than me, and he watched it a mm -hmm. lot anyway. So uh, our first 10 or so were from CNN, MSNBC. And then I threw in a Canadian, I think it was global. I don't even remember the first Canadian mm -hmm. I did. And Sunday night, just from our friends and family, and a few people seen it, we had, I'm gonna say 500 followers pretty quickly, which as you know, that's amazing. That's quite amazing. Yeah. And then- Yeah, it is. Like that quickly, a lot of it had to do with his other account as well. So we can't take credit for all of that. But the Monday night, I remember because I had gone to work, came home, I was making dinner and Lindsey Graham came on TV. So of course I did, I didn't stop and think about it, but I dropped an <laughs> F-bomb. I pretty much just said whatever it wasn't. It was clearly the first one that we had right. done that wasn't a room rating, and it was clearly not a room rating. Right. And I went to bed normal time, 9 o'clock on the West Coast. Um, 6, 5, 6 a.m., um, I got a, a text from Claude like I normally do, you know, good morning, mm -hmm. you know. 
and he text he had texted me around four my time, so around seven a.m. Um, four year four my time, seven a.m. Your, your time, and he said, you know, yeah, he goes, take a look at the account, and we had something like. <laughs> Five, six thousand in two days, and then the end of the first week we That's had ten thousand, and then we both looked at each other and said, "Okay, so we have something, maybe something so, we so had planned." Did you get like? Did you have like any moment of like when you were thinking, "Oh no, like it's, it blew up so fast"? I remember like. You know when when our accounts kind of took off, uh, there was like that relief and kind of joy of like, oh, this is exciting and something's happening. We've created something; people are watching. But then there was like immediately followed by this like trepidation, like, oh my god, what have we done? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we we had that. I mean, um, it wasn't so much a panic because he was used to big accounts and this wasn't new to him. Right. So this whole. Yeah, the, it was it was overwhelming for me, but he was very calm about it. Um, I think that we both right away realized that we wanted to do something good with it as well, because here was it was just literally being handed to us on a platter. And right. that's right. when um, obviously if we had known the kind, you know, we have 400,000 followers now and we had Amazing. almost 300 and 50,000 within the first, I would say, seven or eight months was most of our growth. So we, because he already had um, uh, set up through his pack where he raised money for billboards, anti-Trump billboards and um, things like that, we decided that for Expedia, it, it, just to make it all crossing, it's very difficult, as you probably know, charities are very hard to set up. And it takes a really sure. long time. So we were trying to figure out a way to do something quickly that before people got tired, because we kept we right. in our minds we kept thinking this can't keep going. So we need to do something quickly. Yeah. So our right. So we managed to get a, uh, a the Navajo Nation was going through a really tough time at the beginning of the epidemic. If you remember, they had no PPE at all. Yeah. I mean, Canada didn't either, but I mean on the on the reservations it was really bad so um yeah we used his political action committee um feelers and administration because it was already set up and we um arranged with the navajo tribes to get ppe uh to them and we raised um f close to four hundred thousand dollars within a year for the That's ppe phenomenal. and then That's once crazy. they had ppe we started um doing art kits for some of the uh younger elementary school mm -hmm. age children for the um several of the tribes down there um the only difficulty was that with that was we couldn't we couldn't do it from canada so right there was no no way to sort of get the do we couldn't set up something um for the canadian followers quickly enough right but mm -hmm. It's we both feel we still feel that that was um, it was valuable and it meant something and it made it worthwhile because in the end, when you're given a platform like that, it would be a real shame if you weren't able to use it for something good. Yeah, I totally agree. And does doing something charitable like that make you feel better? But give me a six out of ten. Absolutely. We could, okay. we could even, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's it. That's absolved you of any guilt. That's, you know, you know how, <laughs> sorry, that just, you know how you said the other day, um, it was, I'm going to, I'm going to probably butcher it, but you said something about places and experiences that don't make mm. sense 
in the real world yeah. and don't make sense necessarily fiscally either, economic yeah. sense. But in the end, those are the ones that you look back on it and you realize those are the experiences that you will remember for the rest of your life and that changes your life. Mm -hmm. So um, that is, that's definitely one of those things that it was like, it was overwhelming and it happened so quickly and I understood the phrase going viral. Um, but yeah. at least, at least along the way we were able to get a focus of something other than just sarcasm and parody and rating people's rooms because so have you have you done like when you were rating rooms have you done uh you know a screen cap and then and then sent sent out your tweet reviewing it and then thought afterwards oh i was a bit too cruel or have you thought conversely have you thought oh i was way too generous i was like that was i gave a nine out of ten yes. so what's i mean is there any are there any examples you can give me of, of did like what kind of blowback you get do you get from this to people because some people get really upset yeah and i can tell this story because i don't care um <laughs> uh, but I uh, we did a, a Christmas thing, uh, a charity thing called Christmas Wish Tree, and did a live uh, party. Basically, it was supposed to be like we were building it as building it as the staff party of Christmas Wish Tree, and all Christmas Wish Tree is is like a website where people can go, and there's Amazon uh, wish lists uh, where people can just like target give to uh, women's shelters and and, uh, and second stage housing and stuff, and um, so we invi I invited a bunch of all these like fancy folk to come and uh, and like famous folk and you kindly suggested or, and, and, and offered to rate the rooms of each person that was there and so I gave everyone kind of a little bit of a heads up I was like listen this is just casual it's not a big deal don't worry about it it's fine and uh, and then everyone just showed up we had a really great time however one of the guests <laughs> who I won't say his real name we'll say his name is Bleeth Globerman <laughs> <laughs> He, he he showed up and he was entertaining. He was fantastic. I mean, he's he's Bleeth Globerman. He's like he sounds hilarious and he's he's got a certain style and it's like he's like he's one step away. He's like one dimension away from a Simpsons character. Yes, and he is phenomenal. Yes, but however. You rated his room, I believe, a 7 out of 10 because he was sitting on his couch with a cool piece of art behind him, holding his dog for most of the time. Yeah. And he was – he hasn't spoken to me since. I, I kid you not. He said, they scorched me. Oh, I'm and so I was like, sorry. Yeah. I apologize. No, no. And he's, but here's the thing is that he said to me at the time, Bleeth Globerman did, whoever that is, <laughs> and he said to me, uh, he said, you know, uh, that's not my regular room. And I was a little, I was like, well, listen, dude, bring your A game then. Like, don't show up half, half assed and expect to get a good mark. Like, if you've got a better room, do your better room. So I just responded back, oh, I know. And that's the last thing we've ever said to each other. I apologize for breaking up your friendship. I really do. <laughs> well, it's not like I was going to help him move, so it's fine. We're not that tight. He's not the only thin-skinned ones. I mean, you know, the irony is we we seem to have more trouble with the sixes and sevens than we do the twos. Like, I don't really, really? understand that phenomena, but but we have, from the beginning, we had, I think, the, 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 the two or three people that came after us the most in the first yeah. few months uh, were sevens and eights. And... and so we have learned right, since they feel they deserve more. 
And then the people who get twos, you've, you've cut them so deeply that they think there must be something wrong with me. And usually the twos, I'm going to be real honest, usually the, 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 anything under a two is usually completely political and arbitrary. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have to remember that neither of us are, right. have ever been interior designers, nor yeah. have we ever claimed to be. And so we literally pull the room ratings out of our ass. I mean, there's just, I'm going to sure. be really honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of fun. Exactly. Now, that being said, Claude does have experience as a photographer, so he is very good at setting up, you know, camera angles. And Composition lighting. and framing and lighting and so all that kind of stuff. So to be honest, sure. I've learned yeah. an awful lot from him from doing this because those are the only things that are true about our reviews. Everything else is political or how we're feeling that day right. or if Claude is high or, you know. It just depends, but you're right. The, the sixes and sevens piss people off a lot more than the yeah. twos and threes. They just do. Um, you know, Mr. Um, Mulberman, shall we say, um, wasn't the first and won't be the last to be a little sensitive. Um, I would say that. I just thought it was so funny. I, I thought it was so funny that he was so bent out of shape about this. I was like, you know, it's just a Twitter account, right? It's like, this isn't like going your permanent record or anything. That has surprised me a lot at how, how people will take it a little more seriously than we think they should, certainly. Um, right. We've had, you know, we've had some. I mean, I will be serious with you as far as there have been people that think that there are a lot more important things to be doing than um, judging people's rooms. And. Okay, sure. We, so uh, they're right. They're generally right. However, that should be the spirit in which 100%. it's taken. But we also provide a bit of levity, I think, and a lot of people, mm -hmm. because they were stuck at home for for so long, did appreciate the levity. And let's face it, you know, as I know, parody satire, it's hard to do with, you know, it, it's it's hard to do well for everybody. Everybody is not going to take it the same way. So right, uh, us, you know. There's people that get that it's satire and laugh along with us, and then there's some people that never speak to us again or speak to or never speak to our friends again. In which case, I am very. <laughs> but those are those are again, the main. Not a great loss. The ones who take themselves a little seriously, and the ones who right. um, uh, don't like the idea of being judged, just broadly, those have been our right. our two biggest critics. Most other people take it in the spirit that it is meant. It is only meant to be cruel with people that voted for Trump. Only. Everybody else gets right. a bit of right. a break. <laughs> well, I know because you have, uh, you know, very grace, grace, gracefully, I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for. Anyway, very nicely, uh, you've been sharing a number of the videos that, that I make, which is great because it goes out to a whole audience that just don't really know who the hell I am whatsoever, um, which is lovely. Uh, but I, I, I come with a, a token rating, a 10 out of 10, even if I'm, and I remember the first time you did that, uh, with one of the videos I had, which was a white background, all white background and people, some people were losing their minds. Like this it was, like, was a hostage somehow, video background. It really was. <laughs> well, it was, it was, it was, I sort of feel like an infinity hostage. It was kind of like, there was no depth. There was nothing. It was just sort of the white blank of infinity yeah. and uh, I still got a 10 out of 10 and I was happy about that but I didn't I didn't necessarily feel I'd earned it so I didn't like wear it with pride I didn't boast about it you know what I mean 
I was and more happy shouldn't. with the six out of ten in my wife's grandma's lamp that you liked. That was more exciting. Honestly, so you you've gotten past the typical room ratings because your videos provide us with so much joy. So you and Gurdeep and there's a few other people that you're just going to get a ten no matter what you do. We we've we've established. Can you just that. do me a favor? <laughs> Can you just do me a favor and give Gurdeep a give give him a six one time just for fun? Hey. Just give Gurdeep a six. This one he's got some beautiful Yukon Mountain Gurdeep Pander. If people don't know who Gurdeep is, he's a guy. He's a Canadian guy, came from uh, India, and uh, he uh, lives in the Yukon and he and he Bangra dances. And he's he is joy personified, and it's really starting to wear thin. It is. I'm bored of it already. Everybody's bored of it. No, Gurdeep's like the nicest guy in the world, but I just want to see him cry once. So if you could give him a six, that'd be great. No explanation. Don't even respond. Just like like six out of ten. Nice try. But you and Gurdeep have, for our American followers, you have personified Canada to them. And I understand that it's, you know, like a little glimpse, right? It's a, a little tiny right. um, a, a cabin in the Yukon. There's very few people who have a cabin in the Yukon. Well, maybe there are, yeah. but they're not. He has no running water, though. So that's he fine. Has he has no, no running. running water. I know. But the people yeah. have, have come to, uh, I would say that one of the biggest pleasures of this account is, I'm not going to say educating because that sounds really kind of elitist, elitist just that word but the camaraderie that we've felt between um for the most part um canadian and american followers has been sure one of the things for me that is sometimes the only thing in a day that i look forward to and it's not so much yeah. educating as it is like that sounds very um you know that that doesn't sound like a good word but you know, even things like having fun with our Thanksgiving. I mean, you did a video on that. We, we had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. People were like, well, when do you celebrate Easter? Like, you know, <laughs> when like, does Halloween happen? Then? Right. Yeah. It really is like people are trying yeah. to figure it out. So we, we have had a lot. I mean, it's and then, you know, then we did, I think the first Thanksgiving, our first Thanksgiving, people were saying, um, don't you have pilgrims? where did the pilgrims go? Why didn't they come to Canada? You know, like just having a lot of fun with it. So I also feel like that is bringing, bringing people together, like the pandemic made the world smaller. And I feel like, absolutely. Does that make sense? I'm not sure I'm saying it right. Yeah. It it somehow, well, I think I, I said recently, to someone that, you know, you, it used to be that people would take their phones and social media out to the world. And then when the pandemic hit, their phones became the world. That, yes. that was how was you that was how you accessed the world. Yes. So it suddenly be, it made us all part of it. And also it's like the whole pandemic thing was one of very few shared experiences we have left in, exactly. on the planet. Because exactly. everything is so isolated and siloed and and you know, we'll go to social media stuff like social media conventions and talk to someone and afterwards, you know, my son Gregor will be like, We know that person has like hundred and forty one million followers and I'm like, never heard of them. I have no idea. Yes. Um but it's so silent. So it was like one of the few things. Yeah. Amazing. And so I feel I feel like um social media in general, I mean it's widened our worlds as well as you know, made it smaller. The pandemic itself brought out, um, I would say that for as much as it brought out the inequities between the rich and the poor, Mm -hmm. the haves and the haves nots, uh, have nots in like a broader sense. I also Mm -hmm. feel 
like it also was a great equalizer in a way because oh, totally does did you find that in just your work too because if you put on a music video yeah. of yours say or you know you you do, people in germany are watching people all over the world could be watching right yeah and but you also get the experience that everybody's going through the same thing whether or not you were like mm -hmm. me that kept a job and kept going to work every every day or whether we were like the million, uh, millions of people around the world who were stuck at home twenty four seven. Yeah. It. Yeah. We all had laundry. We all had things we had to get done. We all had this great big fear of dying and uh, not knowing what came next. Then we had the economic fear that came with that, and then Trump, of course, made everybody scared that any day now he could just push a nuke button and we would all be dead in minutes. So, you know, right. I think, I think. First of all, the, the whole Trump experience and then the pandemic and then for us on this coast, we had a, a heat dome and then we had the wildfires mm -hmm. and then we had the drug, um, everybody's dying of drug overdoses, you know, right. as in a political turmoil world. I think it all made us realize that whether it's glimpsing into the room behind and seeing like your kids running out, uh, we're all, all in this together. Right. I mean, we may not have mm -hmm. the same access to healthcare. We may not have, you know, in some countries they don't even have access to the vaccines yet. But we're all mm -hmm. we're all in this together, and we all know people who have suffered. So I think, even though there's been so much written about the inequities being brought out, I also think that it had a, you know, like just we're all in this together, and let's. Mm -hmm you know, let's try to make it work together kind of thing. So that to me, social media was very much a part of that. I'm, I'm talking like it's in the past and it really isn't. Right? <laughs> it's all still happening. It's still happening. Right. I mean, it's, it's disconcerting. I think you're totally right. right. I, th I think the, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me in the pandemic and certainly you, you had touched on it earlier is that, uh, you know, the, the playing field was, was, leveled for everybody in a sense not not necessarily meaning as you said people were experiencing the pandemic very very differently <laughs> um you know it was like people would say you know we're all in the same boat it's like well we are however people are there were different parts of the boat <laughs> some people are down shoveling coal some of us are on the deck asking for another drink while we wait exactly. um but you know i i think that one of the things that stuck out to me and i think that's why uh, room raider was so popular was that you did get to see yes like, it was that playing field for media at least anyway was like totally leveled. I remember at the time watching the talk shows, like the US talk shows, and you'd see like Colbert, you'd see Jimmy Fallon, you'd see Jimmy Kimmel, you'd see Seth Meyers, and they'd all just be kind of doing their thing, very affected by the same thing I was affected by. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that was always fascinating to me, which was amazing. And, and I mean, I remember sort of thinking, well, this is this is like this is a time of forced opportunity. This is a time for you to be like, well, I'm going to try this because I'm probably not going to get the chance to try it ever again. And also, I never would have chosen to try this. So let's just give it a go and let's sort of see what happens. That's, what happens, that's you know? exactly how Room Reader was. But I also think that it it would never have worked in any other time in the world. Uh, like people talk about going viral. That's been oh, yeah. for a long time. As you know, you're in the business. But I also think that the conditions were i mean same with some of your your more powerful what we used to call p you know the canadian psa videos where you know the mm -hmm. please get vaccinated um do your part kind of right. thing that that we 
I think I feel like our account and your account, we we really worked hard at that. I feel like we worked very diff very hard at getting the vaccination. Please get vaccinated. Please, I I almost feel like yeah. we put in a lot of work doing that on purpose as well. Yeah. But I also absolutely right. But I also feel like. Um, if it hadn't been for the pandemic and people being forced to figure out how to do a Zoom call from their homes now instead of a studio, mm -hmm. I, I think that for, I still am going to believe that for all our differences, <laughs> show, showing how we are all in this big thing together, whether, whether it's a pandemic, yeah. I still think there's value in oh, yeah. remembering that and learning that, even though, like you said, everybody's experiences are so different. Um, I worry, my biggest concern is that we come out of the pandemic and all the stuff that we've learned, we kind of just go back to the old ways and go, ah, it's, we don't have to worry about it anymore. And that's my biggest worry because there's this big rush to go back to, let's go back to normal life. Yeah. And then there's other people who are saying, no, no, it'll be a new normal, but they kind of meet it in like, uh, things will never be as good as they were. Right. And however, I sort of want to be, I want to be able to take this time and then move forward and go, we would you know, and be able to say to like, you know, my grandkids some down so years down the road and say, I'm, and years and years down the road, in case my sons are listening, years and years down the road. We don't need grandkids yet. Um, and if my kids are listening, same. <laughs> same message. much older. But I mean, I hope that we come out of it and I hope that sometime we can sort of say to these this next generation of people, that didn't exist before the pandemic. Exactly. And it's a great thing that it exists. And it's really, really good. And the, the reason we do it is because of the pandemic. Um, and you sort of hope for those good things to come out of it. But I think that you know, social media did... The weird thing about social media, of course, is like it's the big bad world, right? Like this is the internet is the big bad world. Um, it's it's like you know you could be dropped in the middle of any major city in the world, and that's the internet. It's everything that's amazing in life, and everything yes. that's awful in life, and it's exactly. all within arm's reach. Exactly. You know, and uh, you have to consciously go after the good stuff. Uh, and you have to consciously uh, amplify that good yep. stuff as well, which I think you guys have done really, really well. So, obviously, uh, I think we've both been a bit public with our struggles sometimes with um, why are so many people stupid? Why, are, why is science mm -hmm. such a big question all of a sudden? Why didn't we see this coming? What have we become as a nation? Why did the pandemic bring this evil out in people? Or was it always there and it just, not, I shouldn't say evil. Some of it is just ignorance and fear. A, a lot of it sure. is evil. Trying to spread misinformation, knowing it's misinformation, that's evil. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but, Absolutely. And me growing up as in an evangelical, fundamentalist evangelical, I knew the evangelicals were going to do that. I knew Jesus was going to have something right. to say, and <laughs> Jesus was going to direct them in a different way. We knew that. The, and I, well, and I kind of knew the anti-vaxxers. I got one of them in my family. I I, I knew that they would carry that right. over into this vaccine if they couldn't get over themselves enough to care about everybody else enough. Is your do are sure. you are you saddened like I am with how prevalent the anti-science and vocal they have become, or or were you not surprised? as much as saddened, but do you think we're going to ever get Pat to a place where we can? Yeah, I, I, th 
I, th- I mean, I think that there's what's interesting about that is that, I mean, for one thing I noticed is that the pandemic, to me anyway, kind of revealed the amount of stupid that was around us. And exactly. uh, it was like, I've, I've, re- I've referred to it as it, the pandemic has been a black light in a hotel room of life. And we turn it on and we realize, oh God, stupid's everywhere. Yeah. And how did it get on the night sh- nightstand? How- oh my God, there's some on the ceiling. Um, and you can't figure out how it got there. And uh, my, so I, it's not so much, I mean, I'm a little, it's a little bit saddening. It's a bit more depressing to me. Um, and, a, and a bit more, it's kind of scary. Because here's the thing. I hate thinking that I am, that I, me, am somehow smarter than other people. <laughs> It's distressing to me. It's distressing because <laughs> I'm not. I'm an idiot. Like I'm a total idiot. And it's like I don't. I'm. I'm in. You know. I'm in, impetuous. I'm. I'm. I'm in, in irresponsible. I'm all that kind of stuff. And then I think, oh do- God, I'm. I, I'm. You know. I'm somehow smarter than than a lot of people that are out there. Yes. And then it makes me angry because I think to myself, all those really stupid people out there somehow have jobs and nicer cars than I have. How does that work? <laughs> okay. And I think I'm amazing. I'm, and then I start to doubt myself, and I think, well, maybe I'm like. I'm so much smarter that I've gone around the horn and now I'm just underneath stupid again. And now I'm just too stupid to figure out how to play the game. So I'm, it's, it's been, it's been saddening, but I think it shows also that, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Yeah. Not really a tangent, but I'm going to rail on this for a bit. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I've noticed in popular culture, uh, trending for the past, I'm going to say 20 years to, uh, dumbing down and to placing less and less coolness and and cachet on being smart mm-hmm. and being educated and being well-read and being uh, articulate and oh, all that kind of stuff. And it was replaced by power and money. And that was that those became the new cachet of a power and money. And I, and I think of examples of like, you know, and I had a conversation about this almost 10 years ago, I'm sure, uh, with a, a friend of mine who's a, a high school friend of mine who's an author, Andrew Piper. He writes uh, creepy, scary novels. I don't read them because they're too scary. Um, but he and I were reminiscing of the fact that there was this very popular band uh, in the 80s that played our high school when, high, when bands used to come play high schools. And it was a band called Images in Vogue. And they're a great band. They still play around. And they're from Vancouver, actually. Oh. And um, uh, but they were playing, and they had a song on the charts at the time they came to play, which was very exciting. They played the high school, and they were just playing the gymnasium. So they're doing sound check, and Andrew walked in, and the lead singer Dale Martindale uh, was sitting on the floor uh, reading this book of philosophy, mm-hmm. and Andrew was like, "It was the coolest thing ever." This guy had like wild. Robert Smith hair, like the David Sylvian glasses and the eyeliner, and he was just like a cool <laughs> new wave guy in the eighties. And then he was reading this book of like you know <laughs> Manuel Kant or something like that, and it was like this is really great. Mm-hmm. Whereas now he sort of flipped over a little bit, and we kind of were sort of and I, and I, I'll, I'll preface that by saying I think it's actually flipping back a little bit. I think it's, cur- I've noticed it kind of curving back, but it's been trending to that point where there's been uh, popular culture has just been celebrating not being that smart. That's and really I think that's a dangerous, dangerous thing, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it is trending back. I feel like people are kind of like, there's putting more value on smart. I think the pandemic helped with that. The pandemic was like, you know what? You know who's smart? Smart people. Yes. Smart people are really smart. Scientists, doctors, 
yeah. you know, sure, some of them are dicks, but they're also super smart. So let's maybe listen to them. Yeah, you know? exactly. But the the whole um, science being on <laughs> on trial was was quite the uh, quite unexpected. One of the most unexpected things, and I and I also am. I have struggled with the fact that, um, I mean, we on our website, other than or on our Twitter account, other than the actual room rating, of course, we're we're talking about politics a lot as well. Obviously, like you know, as you mm-hmm. as you do, and um, I I think that the number of Americans who were surprised at the anti-vaxxers and the anti-masker, anti-maskers and the basic, you know, the anti-virus people who are basically just right. demonstrating against the virus, as you've pointed out, who they're most mad at, who knows, but they're just angry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I have, I have found myself saddened by the Americans who will say. Does this really happen in Canada? I thought it was just down here, you know. And then, and then you kind of go into the whole. I mean, we. I don't now, but but for a while, especially some of them who are genuinely interested in what happened to Canada's reputation, I guess, mm-hmm. um, as being much more uh, logical and reasonable and educated, I guess, than uh, the, our American counterparts. I've found that to be a little distressing when I realize how many, I understand that it's a very vocal minority, but just the fact that they are, um, you know, people do see that from other countries. I, I found that to be a little upsetting. You know, do, did you find yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've said previously is that uh, if you, if someone says to you, uh, the elites are going to do this to you, mm-hmm. they, they assume that you're not an elite and they're be- immediately categorizing you as a lesser than mm-hmm. and, and they're immediately using that to weaponize and and they're probably elite <laughs> as well as yes. the key. Um, and I think that, you know, with the, the the evil side of me, like the room raider side of my head, uh, it, that, uh, that makes me think, <laughs> that makes me think that uh, I, I know there's lots of dumb people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I should take advantage of them. <laughs> and there's a there's a there's a moral compass in my head that goes, ah, nah, nah, that's not right. You should try to help them like an idiot. That's see, that's further proof how stupid I am is that I want to help the dumb people. I do too. That's how dumb I am. Well, anyway, but you get these horrible people like uh, like the, the Fox Newses of the world who are vaccinated, but then tell people not to get vaccinated or, or can, you know coerce them to not get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, these people to me, I think, are the people who have they've realized that the world's full of dumb people. Let's make money. <laughs> And they, and they don't have that moral shutoff, that, that backflow that goes, yeah. no, 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 don't do that because that's horrible. That's not going to help anything. They just don't care and they just go after it. Yeah. So I think that's the, the, the part that drives me insane is that, uh, is that it's, it's evident that um, you know, there's, there's a, a handful of, of smart people who have no moral compass, who are no, no ethical backstop that makes them go, yeah, I'm just going to take advantage of these people. Yeah, but I also think that's part of like why you see, uh, I also have a theory that this is just, this is just a podcast. I'm just changing this name as podcast to my theories. Um, Interesting. But I also have this theory that <laughs> you're like, go ahead, do it, get libeled, go for it, say something stupid. I'm not recording this, you so are. I think... <laughs> I'm also editing it, don't worry. Um, 
but I, you know, I have this theory that, uh, that we've lowered the bar too far. Like we have, we have in, in, especially in, in, in the economy and, uh, oh, this is, I haven't been able to articulate this properly, uh, yet, but I've had conversations, Shannon and I talk, my wife and I talk about this and, and she doesn't necessarily agree with me, but, um, you know, she's obviously not that smart either. She's with me. So there you go. Uh, but she, but I, 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 my thing is that it's like when I look at some retailers, so like if I, you go into the Walmarts or the no frills grocery stores or the food basics and that type of thing, and it's wonderful that there, and I think it's absolutely, there's nothing wrong with any of those places mm-hmm. on as is. There's nothing wrong with those places. The thing I have a big problem with, and this was like re-stirred up recently. We're driving to the cottage and uh, stopped at a, a No Frills, which is so. For people who don't know, No Frills is like a like a super no. It's a grocery store with no frills. Is what it is basically. It's like you just. It's all you know, hard, badly retailed and just like shelves with stuff, and you just buy it, and it's bags of meat, and that's basically it. And you you always um, have to look at the expiration dates. I may say. You always have to look at the expiration. That's true, which is really, which Shannon told me that, and that shocked me. I was like, oh, surely it's a grocery store. It'll be fine. No, no, no. We got to check the expiration date. Now, to be fair, the places like Food Basics have a great international section that if you want like ta-ta tea and stuff like that from India, mm-hmm. they're the place to go. It's the, it's the best place to go. However, we were at this place, this no frills thing. We go into it and... Uh, and 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 the thing that bothered me was that the prices were somewhat okay, mm-hmm. and so the people were there thinking they're getting a good deal sometimes. But then they were like, it's, it's like they would need good deals, but in exchange for that, they were treated like cattle. And I hate that, and I think it's a real problem. I think there has to be a. I want to have those. I want everyone to be able to get their stuff, but you shouldn't be treated like. No, and it <laughs> no shouldn't be okay. Doing you a favor. It also shouldn't be okay. No. Right? No, you're right. I mean, it shouldn't be okay to the for the stores and the management and the people and us, really, if we, you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be like that. I understand what you're saying. We have that that out here. And, and I think that that's actually a very good analogy of of the world. Yeah. I think I know, I know the one you're talking about. It's the, yeah, yeah. I will, rem- I will remember. Some, exactly. And you said that the people who... Um, this, I, I, I'm paraphrasing using my own words and what I've I said. Love being, I love being paraphrased though. It's but like it was, so good for my ego. It was no, the same so thing that I told right. everybody, except you said it very articulately, um, that the pandemic has brought out, it's like aging. You know, when you age, you become more so. Mm-hmm. So if you're grumpy and stubborn, mm-hmm. you're going to be grumpier and stubborn, more stubborn when you're 80, right? If you're... Mm-hmm kind and compassionate, you're probably going to be more kind and compassionate as you get older. That's just usually how I find it works in life. I found that with the pandemic, it, 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 it was much the same way. There were people who you kind of knew were going to be assholes and they mm-hmm. were definitely assholes. And then there's people who you knew were going to step up and do their best and care about their fellow man and society and the greater good. You knew they were going to. And then everybody, mm-hmm. all of us in between, you know, and I remember, I know you took it down because people thought that it was a little harsh. I'm not sure all your reasons, but I remember that there were a lot of people that were like, this isn't Stuart, this isn't Brittle Star. Yeah, it was, yeah, I was well, pretty yeah, angry. Yeah, right? Like even people, <laughs> I posted it and then I, I actually posted something underneath that was how that struck with me because I have... Um, 
I had a, uh, anyway, evangelical family. Um, there were people in the churches that were telling, scaring my mom and dad, you know, the right. Jesus will, you know, that sort of thing, right? And I had mm -hmm. made some comment that how, your video moved me because I'm not going to be able to f quickly forget those people in those churches that told elderly people that yeah those were and um to me you summed up how i was feeling about all those things in the pandemic that it was going to take me i'm not sure there's people i will never look at the same again like there just mm -hmm. won't be there's people in my own family who if mm -hmm. trump didn't par uh, tear my extended family in the states apart this pandemic sure as hell did and there mm -hmm. are there's things that I'm never going to be able to forget. I can forgive and move on, but there are people who will mm -hmm. not never be in my circle the way that they used to be again. And I think that your video expressed that very well. And while I'm sad about that, I also feel as if um, it really shone a light, exactly what you said, shone a light into who mm -hmm. cares about your fellow person in society. And if you're so self-absorbed self that you don't care about giving somebody else covid then you know that that became pretty clear through through this yeah i mean you make it sound much more beautiful i was referring i was making a reference to it like seeing semen all over a hotel wall but you made it sound much more eloquent i was trying to i was trying to elevate that just a little bit but but that was a very powerful video and my friends and family that saw that video were actually quite moved by it and so uh it's funny how there's some things that you remember very clearly but that was that was a point for me where everything was going downhill really quickly in Canada for the uh, yeah. vaccines. Yes. And, yes. Um, I, know, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like we had sort of, in some ways we had the same trajectory where we, you know, we did Donna Free. I mean, we, we got more popular. You, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with it, but you, your videos struck a chord, just like our account struck a chord because of the pandemic. Absolutely. And I feel yeah, like sure. that trajectory kind of, we both kind of were on that path in Canada at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, f we've had some fabulous times and some wonderful times, but I also feel like that will be one thing that I take with me from all of your work was just that feeling of, mm -hmm. even though we've come far from that period, I mean, that was, January, February, March for me were the darkest times in all of this. And yes, part of April, yeah. right? We were losing the I race think what's with the interesting is Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, the I've said a number of times that people haven't, we haven't really grasped just how dark it was mm -hmm. uh, and, ha and it has been going through the pandemic. Um, and I think it's because the majority of us have been incredibly fortunate to not have a direct hit exactly. by COVID, meaning like a exactly. fatality. Um, exactly. But now it's, it's funny. It wasn't funny at all. Uh, it's, it's interesting to note that, you know, yesterday a, a friend of mine, a, an acquaintance of mine, uh, his uh, university roommate just died uh, of COVID, and it's like, oh, it's starting to creep into the circles now that that I of people that I know, yes. and directly, and I know, I now know a number of people who have been directly affected by it. Um, but I think that you know that video that you're referring to, the I will remember, and it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was, I was super angry. Yes, and uh, but it was good it was, for I, me. I it was easy, therapeutic easy. to well, see that was, from you. Right? Yeah, 
Like it really was. I think it was a bit cathartic. Yeah. And I think that uh, it was it was good for me to get it out and do it. But then when I had it up there, I was like, well, this is going to be a hell of a whiplash gear shift between this and my song about Zellers. So this is going to be super hard to change gears. And I thought it's it was almost, and I also thought like, I, it made me reevaluate like what my purpose was in the pandemic and and what my purpose was at, at this point in history. Right. And it was like, okay, well, what am I doing? What service am I providing here? Mm-hmm. And I know that I was there was a catharsis there for sure that people that could sort of look at what I was saying in that video and that anger and stuff and go, yeah, I'm also that way too, which was has value. But then I thought, man, it's so fucking dark. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of this hole if I just leave that there. Like, yeah. how do I pop back out of that? I just, I just don't. So I had to, I ended up pulling it down. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I had to, I had to pull it down because I was like, I can't, I, it's literally going to cause whiplash in people. And, and then how do you, like, what's my purpose? My purpose is to kind of be the, even though I, you know, I, I jokingly in the bios refer to myself as the internet's favorite dad, stolen from Alan Thick, um, and modified but stolen from Alan Thick. Uh, and uh, he, you know, I think I see my purpose as like, you know, as far as social media goes and my place in social media during the pandemic, as saying to everyone, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, be careful, be good. Uh, you're going through the scary part of town, but you don't act scared in front of the kids. You're like, okay, it's okay. We're just going to do what we have to do. We're going to get through this. Yeah. And it's hard to maintain that all the time. I mean, I did another video, which was, uh, I'm tired of the pandemic. <laughs> and uh, it was, it did really, really well for the same reasons. I think people were like, yes, I also feel tired of the pandemic. But I also <laughs> think, well. just Funny as an uh, observation from somebody who's watched your work pretty closely for for a, like you know a couple of years now um, I also think that people responded because you struck that nerve that we were all kind of feeling I've got questions for you um, this has been a really great chat um, I want to know What's something you didn't know a year ago that you wish you knew? What would I say to myself a year ago, knowing what I know now? Sure, yeah. I guess I would say that I'm going to get kind of serious here. I guess I would say that the shades of gray that I used to believe everybody kind of fell into, I believe that uh, there's less of that. I don't know whether that's just getting older or the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but I feel like... um, uh, those those murky areas where between good and bad, uh, right and wrong, I feel like the past few years has made those gray areas much more black and white. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would tell I would tell my year younger self that I need to um, not 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 take people at their word and not distrust but i think that um even people that i put on a pedestal um not necessarily they may not necessarily have ever deserved it but i need to take a look at who i who i believe who i put on a pedestal who i expect tell me the truth mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that's not always the case so really we're just on our own we have to figure that kind of stuff out for ourselves well, that's really depressing. I know. I'm sorry, but. 
I, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, so I've got one more uh, question for you. Uh, and the question is, um, I want you to tell me a tip, a really great tip. Um, I would say that add a plant wherever you can and succulents mm -hmm. are the best and it's very difficult to kill mm -hmm. a succulent. So I would say every chance you get to add a succulent to every room. That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> I was tired of kids calling me succulent in high school. It has such a nice ring to it. I don't know what it is. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out and chatting. It's been a really fun chat. And uh, I mean, keep keep doing your thing. It's it's uh, it's 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 been an honor to be to play a, a small part in that and sort of uh, be featured, which is great. And uh, the entertainment value has been fantastic. And I love I, I think it has brought people together, which is amazing. And it has uh, you know I've I've watched and I've seen. Um, you know, these very crusty, hard outer exterior journalists get all mushy when they get that eight or nine and they're like, I'm going to work hard to work it up there. And I think if you can, if you can rock the boat of the Bleeth Gobermans out there, then that's, I think that's fine. I think that's not a bad thing. I do feel pretty grateful, but thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, you know, stay awesome. Yeah. Have a good day. The Really Great Podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. They make delicious compostable coffee pods. You don't eat the pods. You make coffee using the compostable coffee pods. You can find them at retailers across Canada like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. And they're Canadian too, eh? Go get some coffee. Find out more at clubcoffee.ca. Well, that was pretty great. I really enjoyed talking to Jesse from room raider at rate my skype room on twitter um they've kind of been a bit of a bright light in this past year which is pretty good and it also i think it's cool talking to people like that that can give you an idea that something fun can turn into something real i know that you didn't even mention the fact that they have a book coming out which is amazing so look for the room raider book coming out really soon maybe i'm not supposed to say that i don't know anyway thanks for listening and uh hope to see you next episode.